the flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I see the enemy coming in like a flood in our houses, in our churches, in our families. But what I don't see is the standard. People of God, where's the standard at? We're in a war, y'all. It's time to stand, y'all. The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of them that published it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Welcome to the Know Your Bible radio broadcast that reaches around the world daily with the good news about Jesus Christ our Lord. I am your host, Bishop Fred A. Carwell Sr. Now lend me your ear, and let's go inside of Know Your Bible and hear God's life-changing word. Welcome to Know Your Bible. To stand before your people, Lord, we pray now that you would, through the power of the Holy Ghost and in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus, impart revelation knowledge out of your word and strengthen our people. This day we pray. We claim it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. Okay, we got a lot of ground to cover today and we're going to get right into it. So those of you that have Bibles, go with us in the epistle of James, chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1. We left off the last time we were talking about temptation. Temptations. Is that right? Okay. So as you're making your way to James chapter 1, I would that we would read together in James chapter 1 verses 12 through 15, well, 16, James chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, let us read. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That word err means what? Error. It means don't error. Don't error, my beloved brethren. What is temptation? What is temptation? You say a test? Anyone else? A what? Tease. To tease is to tempt. Okay. Anyone else? Trial. Okay. Anyone else? To chance. Chance. Okay. Anyone else? Solicitation to do evil? 
Okay. All right. Anyone else? What is temptation? Come on, you know what it is. Why do you always walk around and talk about child? Yeah, I was tempted. Well, what? I mean, if you were tempted, what was happening with you? You were enticed. Okay, now I want to step off on that. Enticed or solicitation to do evil. If you are enticed, then that means then that you are tempted or encouraged to do something that is wrong. Okay, now listen. Jesus Christ has how much power? Say that again. Jesus Christ has how much power? Okay, well, if he has all power then, then that means that the devil has no power. Is that right? And certainly no power over God's people. Okay, now listen to this because you need to see this. To be enticed or to be solicited to do evil or to do wrong. That word enticed or to solicit is to sell you something. You ever seen this sign say no solicitors? In other words, don't come here selling nothing. So to be enticed or to be solicited from Satan's viewpoint is to entice you or encourage you to do something that is wrong. Now, listen to this. Since Jesus Christ has all power in heaven and earth in his hand, and he say, now, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and upon scorpions and over all the ability, whatever the enemy may have, I have given you power to tread on serpents. Okay, now listen to this. Satan has no power over God's people except you give it to him. So when Jesus Christ was raised up out of Joseph's tomb the third day with all power, that means the only thing that Satan can do now is to entice you or to try to solicit your help or your involvement in doing something wrong because he cannot force you to do anything that is wrong or anything that is contrary. So we see then that uh, Satan's job is to tempt, but he can only entice you. He can't make you. You see? He cannot make you. He do not have the power to force you to do anything against your will. Whatever the child of God does is because they want to do it. So it is not accurate to say the devil made me do it. You are a liar. If you are born again, to make that statement means that you are with the devil or you are either ignorant or you are unlearned or, or you're pitiful. <laughs> Either one of those categories you choose. You see, because Satan has no power to make a child of God do anything. So the only thing that Satan can do is to entice you to do what is wrong. By presenting before your eyes or presenting into your mind something that is contrary to the word, to the way, and to the will of the Almighty. So you see, the only thing that Satan can do, just like the man that sells brushes, the only thing the devil can do is to show up on your doorstep and knock. You open the door and say, who is it? And he say, I've come to sell you something. He's there to entice you or to solicit your support in his effort. But if you don't give place to the devil, guess what? He won't have no place. And if you don't buy anything from him, guess what? Then he didn't sell you anything. See? And the reason that we're not to buy anything from the devil is because we ourselves don't belong to ourselves. We ourselves have been bought with a price. So do you understand? The only thing that Satan can do is entice you 
You see? Now, he can entice you through the avenue of your eye gate, through the avenue of your ear gate. He can entice you in either one of your five senses. Either one of your five senses. You smell some cologne, somebody's wearing it, they got a particular physique or whatever, that come right through, he's dealing now through your sense of smell, and he's dealing with you through your sense of seeing. Then he penetrates into your thought pattern and begin to put up in your mind, I wish I could. And once that seed is planted, you call that lust. And lust is a desire to have. You see how this thing works? It's a desire to have. And the sin comes in, once the desire is there, then the sin comes in when you meditate over how you're going to accomplish this thing that's wrong and God said it's wrong, everybody says it's wrong, but the devil will convince you that uh, you can do it and get away with it. You know it's wrong. And then when you take that, that other step, uh, lust when it is conceived brings forth sin and sin when it is finished brings forth death. And for the child of God, that's broken fellowship. So you see, the only thing that Satan can do is to just show up and say, psst, got something for you. You say, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you really like to have it? Say, yeah, I really would. Psst, come here, let me show you how you can get it. Just drop a few of those morals you running around here with and you can have everything pretty well made. Ain't no need of you but trying to be holy than thou. Just forget all that church business. Ain't nobody here but me and you. Pick up the phone. Make that appointment. Get that room over there. Don't nobody see you. That's all he can do. That is all the devil can do is to suggest stuff to your mind. Are we together? All right, now, let's see how to deal with that. Go to 2 Corinthians. I believe that's the 10th chapter. Commencing at verse 3. <clears throat> for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are those things that the devil put off in your mind that he can begin to build on once he entices you and once you begin to start leaning in his direction. Once he realizes that he has your attention, he has begun to lay the foundation for a stronghold. And then once you get out there real bad, when you think that no one's looking, that's when the devil going to show up with everybody that needs to see you out there being a fool. He's going to show up and everybody that show up going to have a Polaroid camera. Say, look at this fool out here. The devil got him out here real bad. Snorting cocaine. They, they drinking. They, they got redness of eyes. They, they broken up their home, running behind Jezebel and and, and, you know, and, and uh, the devil told him the grass was green on the other side of the fence. And then when they jumped it that morning, the devil jumped up and said, ha, 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 fool, this is astroturf. It ain't grass. And you got 20 years down the drain. 
See, so the weapons of our warfare are not warfare to the pulling down of strongholds. You must take the word of God and apply it to that devil's head and put that word on him. But see, I'm going to tell you something. Your heart has got to be right to want to have the word to show up. When you want to do wrong, you don't, you, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When you really want to do right, evil is always present. And so when evil show up, you got a decision to make. And if your heart ain't right, you don't want the word of God saying nothing to you. Amen. Quiet, Jesus. Don't say nothing. <laughs> I'm trying to get over here, Lord, and you showing up. I don't, quiet. Sit down, you know. Let me go ahead and have this conversation. Let me feel good for a moment at least. That's the flesh, see. Oh, you may look pietistic today, but you know I'm telling you the truth. If you're not careful, you get tired of the Lord always on your case. Don't do that. That's wrong. 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 Get out there, hung around somewhere, shopping out there, and you want somebody, you know, if you're not careful, you want somebody to come up and just say something nice to you. Just want to hear from somebody different. That's that flesh. You sit here and look all religious if you want to. You call that strange flesh. Okay? All right, now listen, in verse 5, casting down imaginations. Don't even let your mind wander. See, once the devil start enticing that mind, boy, your imagination start running wild. Amen. Be better with John Henry. I think I'll try it. God say, cast it down. Well, you know, one reefer won't hurt. Cast it down. When I'm mad at my old lady, I'm mad at my old man. Well, and God, God forbid that we would use that terminology in the body of Christ. We're not, you don't have an old man or an old woman in the body of Christ. If you're married, that is your husband. If you're married, that is your wife. If you're not married, you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You're married to him. He is your husband. Okay, so we're to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. Anything that come against the truth that you've already learned, friend, that is of the devil. You cast that down. And I, I'm talking about coming against truth. When you see the truth is the only thing that's going to set you free. Amen. It's a good fight. It's not always popular. It's never been. And it's not always easy to be young and have the ability to really mess up your life and then stand on God's side and make a determined uh, effort in your, on your part that you are not going to do what is wrong, but that you're going to let Jesus be Lord in your life. That is not always an easy decision. But I'm going to tell you something. The, 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 the sooner you make that decision to stand for the Lord and stand with the Lord like that, the better off you're going to be. Because at least you would have made a decision and would have drawn the line. See, you need to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, not only for Sunday, but for, from now on. And if you do not make that decision, then you're always leaving yourself open to be enticed. And that is the door that the devil will come through. So what you need to do is to shut the door. And quit leaving it open, looking. And pretending to be religious on this hand and all oh, wishing that somebody would come through that door on the other hand. See? So you need to shut it down. 
And you need to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you're sitting up there thinking and the devil is enticing you and fusing your mind with all that stuff, you need to grab a hold of that thought and you know it's not from God. You need to put that word on that thought and cast that down. A lot of you are spending too much time meditating with the devil instead of meditating on the things of God. You cannot afford to sit up and give the devil no place to run your thought life. If you know it's wrong, don't be sitting up meditating on how to do it. Cast the dumb mess down, put it under your feet, and go on with Jesus just the same. Okay, now back to James 1. James uh, is telling us about temptation, how it comes, and who's responsible for the temptation. Now, we know that uh, Satan is the one that is responsible for the temptation. God does not tempt anybody. God does not tempt us because if God was going to tempt us, then he would cease to be God. Because it's the devil is the one that's doing the tempting. Now look in James 1 and 12. It says, blessed is the man. That word blessed means happy. Happy is the man, and that's generically speaking, because woman came out of man. Amen? So blessed is the man or woman or boy or girl that endureth temptation. See, the devil bring the temptation, the enduring, God says, happy is the one that stands up against the temptation and is able to walk away from the temptation and is able to look behind and see that they did not succumb to the temptation. That is a happy man. That is a happy woman. That is a happy boy or a happy girl. See, but while you're dealing there with the, with the trial itself, while you're dealing with it in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not always a pleasant thing. So question, when temptation comes, what should your attitude be toward being tempted? Someone, what should your Christian attitude be toward temptation? What should it be? You should egg it. All right. Use the word of God against it. I'm, okay, I'm talking about attitude. I'm not, I'm not talking more or less, I'm not speaking more or less your attitude toward being tempted. For instance, for instance, I've talked to uh, uh, a lot of uh, young ladies that have said, in essence, you know, I was out here shopping or I was someplace and uh, this particular guy tried to come on to me and, uh, and I cussed him out. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, I cussed him out. I told him, you know, where to go and everything. But see, now, you, you see what I'm saying? Now, what should your Christian attitude be toward being tempted? Resistance in love. Okay, resistance in love, yes. That's what we're after. First of all, first of all, you should count it all joy. Okay, you should count it all joy. If, if a person pay you a compliment and say, my, that sure is a beautiful dress you're wearing, or to the guys, a uh, young lady may say, my, you sure look handsome and, 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 and dashing and debonair in that suit you're wearing. You know, well, tell my wife about it. <laughs> Come on now. 
you should take that as a compliment, leave it right where you caught it, and go on with it. If you take it and turn it into anything else, then it will become what? Lust. So learn how to accept a compliment. Everybody say thank you. That's the, that's the best way to deal with it. Now, you're really looking dashing today. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Not a, would you say that again one more time? You know, where do you live? You call that sin. You know, you call that lusting. So our attitude toward when we fall into divers' temptation, not playing divers' temptation, but when we fall into divers' temptation, according to James 1 and 2, my brethren counted all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. So you should have a joyful attitude behind being tempted. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Well, the reason you should have a joyful attitude is because, first of all, you know you don't have to yield to it. And no temptation will ever come to you that's not designed for you that you cannot handle. Okay? So, James 1 and 12, blessed is the man, or happy is the man. So when you fall into divers' temptation, you should count it all joy. And you should be happy, that word blessed means happy, is the man that endureth temptation. So when you would have gone through the temptation and not succumbed to the temptation by giving in to it, then you indeed are happy. I could use a real crude illustration here. It probably wouldn't sound good. It, it, really, it really wouldn't. I, nah, it really would. I'm going to skip that one. Okay, blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, well, who is trying him? Who has him on trial? Who has his faith on trial? Satan. So, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. See, if you go through temptation, as God go through temptation with you, and you're being unwilling to succumb to temptation or to give in to it, then the Lord call you a happy person. And the joy behind that is when you look back and say, boy, I'm glad I didn't marry such and so. You know, that was my childhood sweetheart in high school. Boy, I'm glad. Ooh. Man, I'm glad. Ooh, boy, I am super glad I didn't get into that. You know, and even sometime on a, on a real personal note, those things that are close to your heart and you know the Lord has been dealing with you in those particular areas of your life and you know that, that, that the Holy Ghost has been uh, generally wooing you to get away from that and to die after that in your life and, and when that temptation comes, the devil say, well, you can get away with it this time. You say, no, I'm not. No, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And then you look back and you, you know, the morning after you say, well, well, praise the Lord. You know, one more, mark that one up, one more for the gipper, you know. Because you can rejoice when you do not fall to temptation. Okay, now listen. He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. You see that? Don't let God says here through James, don't let anybody say that when he's tempted, that God is doing that God is the one that's tempting me. Yeah, child, God is, you know, the Lord told me to call James husband, and I, you know, I, you know, and I and I called him. 
And I called him. Matter of fact, every night at 238, I called him. The Lord ain't told you to do that. Mm -hmm. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, first of all, if you call, if you call uh, John's house and uh, Miss John pick up the phone and uh, you hang it up, your intentions ain't right in the first place. I mean, if you're honest and open and you call in John's house and Miss John answer the phone, you're going to identify yourself. And the reason you won't is because it ain't all fair. And what you got on your mind, God didn't put it there. You say, well, I was just afraid. Well, there it is again. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. You're afraid because it's something you don't want to say, but it's in your heart. But now if John answered the phone, you, you know, you're going to jawbone until times get better. See, and that just goes to show you, you're lusting. If you're in this situation, you're lusting. All right, listen. And lust, when it is conceived, bringing forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bring forth death. Okay, now listen. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. You can't tell the Lord, Lord, if you don't hurry and rescue me, I'm going to do it. The Lord going to stand right back there and say, I'm Alpha and Omega. I know the beginning from the end. You can't hold me hostage. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it anyway because I made you a free moral agent. So what do you mean telling me if I don't hurry up and rescue you that you're going to haul off and commit adultery or you're going to haul off and steal something? No, you can't tempt God with that kind of talk. They ain't going to sing if the Lord don't help me. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So you see that? God can't be tempted with, you, can't, you cannot hold God hostage and say, if you don't, Lord, I will. See? God does not tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. In other words, boy, look, what am I going to be able to get out of this? drawn away of his own lust and, and listen to this and enticed. Enticed. That means that he has been baited in. See? And once that devil throw that lure over there in the corner and you bite that temptation, oh, got him now, buddy. Got him now. Start acting funny with your wife. Start acting funny with your husband. Yeah, got him now. Spending all your waking hours daydreaming about somebody that does not even belong to you. Yeah, I got him now. You know. Can I get a witness? All right. We're going to look at two illustrations of, of uh, wait, wait just a moment. Uh, he's drawn away of his own What? Okay, when a man is tempted, he's drawn away of his what? Okay, so when a man yields to that temptation, it ain't God. You can't say, you cannot say the devil made me do it because the devil has no power. The only thing Satan can do is entice you. All the things Satan can do is introduce to your mind a thought. But we've already dealt with that. We have to bring that thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
Which means then that that sets us free. We don't have to do a pee picking thing. We don't want to. So when a man is drawn away, he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. He was baited in because he wanted to be. Now, question. Where does that put the responsibility for the action? Huh? Y'all look so guilty today. Where does that put, where does that put the responsibility for the action? Oh, on you, on the person. So you cannot say that God tempted you and you can't tell God if he don't hurry up, you're going to do this. No, 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 no. Okay, so yielding to temptation falls squarely on the shoulder of the one that yields. Nobody else. Oh, come on now. You remember Adam said, Lord, it's the woman you gave me. He said, Lord, it was a snake. Lord said, I don't want to hear that. Adam, you're going to break ground by the sweat of your brow. That's how you're going to earn your living. Eve, you're going to have pain through childbearing. Devil, you get on your belly and you crawl the balance of your days. Why? Because God does not accept book passing. So every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Married and run out there and, and, and get venereal disease. No, that didn't come from home. Homeboy. <laughs> huh? Whenever, 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 whenever you begin to think about what am I going to get out of this, that's when lust began to be conceived. And how can I get away with it? Then you begin to plot your actions. Then on that long road out there at night, you watch all the headlights, all the cars, looking back. Looking in the rearview mirror, wondering who was that just passed? Did they see me? The Bible tells us that the wicked flees when no one pursues him. So anytime your heart is wrong, and, and the illustration again, you call in that house. You, and you know, and you're hanging that phone up, you're doing it because your intentions are not right. And you want to drop that load, the devil is using you to drop that load on whoever you're trying to get to in that house because the devil is using you to plant a seed because you're lusting in your heart. And you may as well fess up. And lust, when it is conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. LSD. Amen. Now we're going to look at and see how this works out biblically and in practical application. The first individual we're going to look at, we're going to take a negative look because God put it in the grand old book. Amen. I want you to go with me to the book of Judges. And I want you to turn to the 16th chapter. Keeping in mind that we're talking about temptation. In Judges chapter 16, you remember Joshua Judges, 
the 16th chapter and the 15th verse. We're talking about temptation. And we're talking about the man that's blessed that endures temptation. But the one who does not endure temptation will succumb or fall to temptation, which means then that once that person falls, he fell because he lusted or she lusted and had an evil imagination and they followed it through instead of putting it down and casting it down and putting that thing up under their feet. In Judges, the 16th chapter, and I shall commence reading at the 15th verse. This is having to do with Samson and Delilah. And she said unto him, how canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Now, this is a married man now. Okay? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, there hath, no, there hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he had shown me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines are upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep, sleeping in a, the wrong lap. <laughs> and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he knew not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of bronze. And he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaved. Samson and Delilah. Samson God had raised up to be a judge in Israel. Samson was raised up by God to deliver Israel. Samson spent all of his time delivering Samson. There was a woman down in the valley. I believe that's Sorek. I believe that's right. And her name was Delilah. And uh, she was a harlot, a harlot, a whore, if you please. And uh, she lived in the valley of Sorek. So Samson had a love thing for Miss Delilah. He lusted in his heart after Miss Delilah. 
And if you read the 16th chapter, he, she had gone through a lot of ways and means trying to determine where the man's strength was. And so she constantly, every day, put them words on him. Oh, Samson, tell me wherein does thy strength lie, Samson? She's just putting that, putting that tongue on him, putting that mouthpiece on him. And, and every day, say, she was saying the same song. Samson would tell her something different. He'd lie to her and she'd call him in and, and then he'd, she'd do whatever and then he'd run out and shake himself and break loose. And then she would shed them tears. You devil, you. She, she'd cry. She, she'd get to him anyway and she just kept pressing him with her words and, and Samson's heart got so heavy. I said, boy, I sure love this woman. Man, I love this woman. I, I, I'm going to do whatever I can, you know, because, you know, I, I really love Delilah. So what the heck? I, I'll just go ahead and tell her. Delilah, my strength is in my hair. He was dumb because his strength wasn't in his hair. Had all that power and didn't even know where it came from. His strength was in the Lord. And the reason that the spirit of the Lord departed from him when the seven locks of his, of, his hair was, of his head were shaven, the reason the spirit of the Lord departed from him was because he was a Nazarite and had taken a Nazarite vow and a Nazarite was one that did not shave their head or partook of anything that came or grew off of the vine. But see, lust had gripped Samson's heart. And you can tell that he wasn't right. He has got his head in her lap. He's supposed to be out there delivering Israel and over here in this tent down in the valley of Sorek with his head in Delilah's lap. And only God knows what was on Samson's mind. Where is he? What was he doing? He was led away of his own lust and enticed. Lust had conceived and it brought forth sin. That boy laid on Delilah's lap like all get out and he got a strange haircut in a strange barbershop because he was out of the will of God and God never will signal to a sin in any of our lives. Friend, if you're wrong, guess what? You're wrong. Not because I say, but because the Bible said. And the same Bible that calls sin in your life sin calls sin in my life sin. So she called in for the laws of the Philistines and say, I got him now, buddy. It's in his hair. Yeah, it's in his hair. They shaved that head just as clean as Mr. Clean. And, 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 and when they finally departed, she shook him again. She said, Samson, the Philistines are upon me. He jumped up and he shook himself and tried to get himself together. No strength. What is God telling us? Simply this. When you cater to sin in your life, it will strip you of your strength. It will sap your spiritual strength just like a leech is onto your back. We cannot, we must not, how can we feel our Savior's love and live in sin? Can't do it. <clears throat> Samson didn't believe that. And the sad part about it, he committed suicide. He killed more Philistines in his death than he did while he was living. 
Why has God raised you up for such a time as this? Why has God saved you? Why did God call you out of darkness into his marvelous light? God will unveil that to you, but you will have to get close to him to understand it. But if you allow yourself to lay your head in the lap of sin in this world, you'll never get to where God wants you to come to. See, Samson was in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. And it was nobody's fault but Samson's. And it caused Israel uh, a judge. And how many, how many of you today that God has called out of darkness into his marvelous light and you still are not willing to pay the price to go ahead and follow the Lord Jesus Christ? You need to really consider that. Is your head in the lap of luxury so that you can't get up from in front of that TV and go into the hospital and see somebody that's sick or go and witness to someone uh, or become a friend to those that need a friend? I mean, is your lap, uh, are you laying your head so deeply into the lap of sin and the only thing you're doing is living for the weekend and you can't see yourself denying yourself from day to day? Then, friend, you have the wrong concept of Christianity. And if, as long as you lie there with your head in the lap of sin... It's going to sap your strength. See, and too many of you trying to go through life being, uh, uh, I don't want to say uncommitted, and I'm not standing in judgment on you. You judge yourself, see whether or not you be in the faith or not. But uncommitted, that's what I'm after, uncommitted. Clear-cut commitment. Samson never did make a clear-cut commitment. As a matter of fact, I'm not really coming down on Samson. But you know what? He, God raised him up to deliver Israel. He spent all his time delivering Samson. The man really played around with his calling. Anybody that's going to run and get some foxes and tie their tails together and set their tail on fire and let them run out and burn down a cornfield is a, a, is a little boy wrapped up in a man's body and don't quite understand why God called him out of darkness in the first place. God has a reason for calling every one of us that he called. You'll never understand what that reason is as long as you're playing around in sin. That'll be different. That'll be different. If you find, listen, thank you, Jesus. If you find yourself today as a Christian, you're always trying to justify your actions. Other people that are not Christians are always up in your face telling you the way that a Christian should live. You need to check yourself. Because, see, instead of you being out there setting other people free, you're spending all your time delivering yourself. Now, let's get to a good example. All right, let's go to Genesis. Praise the Lord. The 39th chapter. See, it's up to you, child of God, to resist the devil. And in terror and in horror, he'll flee from thee. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Okay? Now listen. We're coming now in on top of a young man that was committed to the Lord, dedicated to him. He had been taken captive, had been placed in a strange land. It never tells us anywhere in this Bible where God, in the book of Genesis, in this account, where God appeared to Joseph. 
But the man found himself down there committed to God in a strange land, a land filled with idols. He did not allow the people in his generation to set his moral standards before God. Too many people today are allowing their friends to make their decisions for them. You don't ask nobody, should you marry something? Listen, let me tell you something. Now, it's good to have friends and it's good to seek counsel because in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. But the bottom line is that, listen, whoever you marry or whoever you don't marry or whatever, you and God need to make that decision. Yes, we need to confide and in, 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 in seek counsel. Yes. Don't you let nobody say, step to the altar with him. Step to the altar with him. Friend of mine, they don't have to deal with that breath in the morning. Oh, and them rollers in the wee hours of the night. Come on. Huh? It's more to it than stand up and talking about, I do. I do. You got to have a friend in there somewhere. You got to have a lover wrapped up in there somewhere. You got to have somebody that won't betray your trust wrapped up in there somewhere. It's more to it. They're walking on the ceiling, amen? All right. Joseph knew that. In Genesis, the 39th chapter, commencing at verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Never said it appeared to him. Never said that he said anything to him. But the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. Did you get that? Anybody the Lord run with is prosperous. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. I'm going to tell you something. When God is with you, people can see it. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And Joseph found grace in his sight, his master's sight. And he served him. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. The master put it into Joseph's hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, the master did, Potiphar. And he knew not anything he had save the food which he did eat. Listen, he turned the whole nine yards over to Joseph. And the only thing he was concerned, the only thing Potiphar was concerned about was that when he slid in on that table in the evening time, that that meal slid right in front of him. <laughs> Everything else, Joseph was the overseer. Joseph had the checkbook. Joseph ran the, the affairs of the household because the Lord prospered Joseph and the man knew that the Lord was with him.
but something happened. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to yield to it. Child of God. Okay. Verse 5. And it came to pass that from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not anything he had save the food which he did eat. And Joseph was a handsome person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. Miss mm, 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 Potiphar. And she said, lie with me, Joseph. Hasten and lie with me, Joseph. My, you're a handsome hunk of man, Joseph. Potiphar is in the field. We're in the house, Joseph. Come lie with me. No one will know it. I won't tell. I can conceal it. Just come. Lie with me. Verse 8. But he refused. He did what? He, he did what? Refused. Joseph did what? Refused. He did what? Refused. Everybody do this. Put thumb up. Thumb down. All right. He refused. Go thou and do what? Likewise. Okay. He refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master knoweth not what is with me in the house. My master does not know that you are allowing the devil to come through you to tempt me, to seduce you. My master does not know what kind of woman he got back here. He does not know what's in the house with me. Do you know what's in the house with you? You know, some people married, they don't bit more trust the person they married to than all get out. That's what's causing a lot of these marriages to fold up. Ain't no trust. You been out with a woman. Come here, let me smell your cologne. What's, on, what's that on your shirt? And I need to tell you this too, friend. It does not matter how you physically look you can be 38 tons overweight. Somebody! Won't you? You can look like Baldy Maroney. The devil does not care. The only thing the devil is, is dealing with is enticement, temptation. That's all. He just wants to destroy God's creation. That's all he's after. That's why he wants these kids on drugs and teenagers pregnant. He doesn't care about who they are. If he cared, he wouldn't be the devil. So Joseph said, man, what is in the house with me? I'm sure that my master don't know, woman, that, that you ain't no good. You just ain't no good. And, and you, know, you know, it's a doggone shame the way some of you 
The Lord is blessed. It ain't a shame that he's blessed you. But a lot of you don't realize how blessed you are. All that time on Miss Pontifus' hand, what did she want to do? Lay up with the overseer, the butler. Many a good man and many a good woman. All women, all men have left their mate behind, unemployed, sitting up doing housework. He thought, and she was leaving right after he left and convinced him to buy an answering service. Possible say, Joseph say, Miss Potiphar is hot to trot, and the boss don't know it. <laughs> See, the problem with sin is anyone who plays around with it, anyone who asks Jim and Tammy, anyone who plays around with it, God, I'm gonna tell you something, when God starts blessing you and moving you up. And you forget about him, friend. God has a hand that knows where the cover is. For all the world to see. And you know what? The same thing that happened to Jim and Tammy, he did it to David. He allowed, God allowed Absalom to get up on the housetop in front of all Israel with David's women and have them. And all Israel could see Absalom going in the tent having each one of David's women. And he'd come back out. Next, go back in. David was right over there. God said, because you killed Uriah. You had Uriah killed. I'm going to tell you something, church. He that keepeth Israel ain't never sleep. So if you need to fess up and get it out in front of God, you need to fess up. I'm going to tell you something. If you're married and committing adultery, you are out of the will of God. You're out of the will of God. Ain't no way you can justify it. See, and you need to go back home if you're married and you need to consider what's in the house with you. And if you are the problem that's in that house, you need to repent. Because God set marriage up before he set up the church. But I'm going to tell you something. This, this thing is really stuck in my spirit here. What, you know, God has blessed some of you. Bless your heart. I mean, you, you're living better than you ever live. Don't appreciate it. And then the ultimate thing the devil would do is jump up and tell you, you married the wrong person. You know why the devil tell you you married the wrong person? Because he got somebody picked out for you. Well, you had one black eye over six years, now you got three. And then I'll tell you something else. The devil is shrewd. I, and I know what I'm talking about because I do a lot of counseling, do a lot of listening. People meet somebody strange out there and uh, they never bring up their subject of sex. Over the first or second or the third time. Oh, uh, he never talks about sex. We, we always talk about as He will. <laughs> oh, he just loved me for me. <laughs> Wait. Everybody talks about sex. You say, well, I don't. You do. You give off signals. Come, yeah, you do. Body, body, uh, body language and everything. You give all signals. 
And if you're single, you make it known, you know, either you want to be bothered or you don't. You give out signals. But the point we're getting at is this. Each one of us as Christians should know how to contain our vessels unto honor. Miss Potiphar didn't know that. See, some of y'all got some good husbands, some of y'all got some good wives. You need to go back home and consider what's in the house with you and begin to appreciate it. Straight out there acting crazy, trying to be shopping when you shouldn't be shopping. All right. Verse 8, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master knoweth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Miss Potiphar, I can touch everything in this house, but the boss never told me to give you a massage. Never told me to put my hands on you at all. Now don't, don't accuse me of being so point blank here. I'm just interpreting the scriptures in light of the writings. Amen? Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife. Now, Joseph, I'm going to tell you something, friend. Here Miss Potiphar is, all strolled across this beautiful estate. Hand-sewn drapes, plush carpet, Warm Persian bath water. Place laid out. A palace. Finest smelling cologne anywhere in the world. But she met somebody that was willing to let God be God when nobody else was around. That's the true test of what you really are. What are you saying and what are your actions when nobody physically else is around except you and that person? So coming on. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? I don't want to sin against Potiphar. Boy, now that's revealing there. Joseph knew something that this generation need to get hip to, and that is that God is omnipresent, and God sees all and knows all. Joseph said, now ain't nobody here but me, you, and God. How can I do this wickedness? How can I sin against God? And friend, all sin is against God. You notice he called it? He called it a great wickedness. It blew his mind that she would come on to him like that. He's going about doing his father's business, as it were. He called it a great wickedness. Oh, but how many in this generation would love to have been in Joseph's shoes? Jesus called this a wicked and adulterous generation. Okay, read on. And it came to pass as she spoke to him. Do we?
There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. The power in the blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary is God's resolution to the redemption of every lost sinner forever. Today is the day of salvation and now is the acceptable time because tomorrow is not promised. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in your house. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Jesus said, come. The Father says, come. The Holy Spirit says, come. And I say, come. You need to come now. Now the question is, when will Jesus return? I was the chiefest of sinners, Paul says, and so say I. I called upon Jesus over 46 years ago, and he answered me, came into my heart, and brought with him the gift of eternal life. And he'll do the same for you if you call. the trouble all over the world. I'm telling every man, woman, boy, and girl. Say these words to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. Come into my heart. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I accept you now, Lord, as my personal Lord and Savior. If you said those words, and if you mean those words, they are recorded in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 9 through 13. Welcome to the household of faith. Much, much love to you. Now the question's up. Hello, this is Bishop Carwell, and this is the Know Your Bible radio broadcast. The world needs Jesus now more than ever before, and you can help us to reach the world for Jesus Christ. I ask for you to pray for what the Lord will have you to do as it relates to financial support toward Know Your Bible. And then send your gifts of love to Know Your Bible, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. That's the Know Your Bible radio broadcast, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. We also welcome your prayer requests and your praise reports. So until we meet again right here on Know Your Bible... You pray for me and I'll be praying for you. And guess what? We'll all be prayed for. Much, much love to you.